Well, digital distractions. First, we're going to talk about, I, th- I think I'm going to try and do the impossible. The, the impossible is convincing us that every single person here this morning needs to make some kind of a change involving this, involving our, what I think is our greatest distraction is our phone and social media. And, and you, the things we'll talk about will be transferable to you know, people that are playing video games or watching too much TV or different things that distract us away from what's important. But the truth is, is every single person needs to make changes when it comes to how they use this. Oh, I, I believe every person in this room. It's pastors as well as the youth. It's not just a youth problem. It's an all of us problem when we start getting involved with this stuff. And it's good. Like I just made some posts before service on, on social media. It can be used for good things, but neutral, everything neutral in life can also be something that pulls us away from the Lord. This has an ability to grab a hold of our hearts in a way that is so subtle that we don't even see it. And so we're going to talk about digital distractions this morning. And the first thing I want you to do, something that is very difficult, so we'll do it privately in our own hearts, and it's to admit our insecurities. Admit our insecurities. And so I'll just jump out and just try and be you know, brave with you and admit my insecurity. I have the biggest earlobes that I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, and, I mean, they're huge. If there was a Guinness Book of World Records thing, I would definitely win for like most possible piercings. And in high school, I was so nervous about it, I would staple them back. Everything but the staples is true in that story. But <laughs> if people are always like, you know those question games that are really awkward? It's like, what's one thing you want to change about yourself? I'd be like, my earlobes, that was rhetorical. Everyone's staring at them right now, aren't they? That's okay. It's all right. Um, The Dumbo hashtag has already been used. If you click on it, you'll see pictures of those things right there. Listen, but when we admit our insecurities from that, we can find strength and we can see what's going on in our hearts, specifically with digital distractions. There's some tendencies that we have that can show us that we're a bit insecure with our relationship with the Lord. And, And just one real practical thing is when we post something on social media, and then we go back and check to see how many likes and comments and, and things that are on there. Is it just that we're curious and interested and we've got these good real relationships with people? Or could it be that we're wondering if people actually care? Do people actually care? I had to deal with this in my own heart. One time I posted something about my family being so cute and I go back and zero comments, zero likes, zero shares. And I'm like, I guess everyone must be busy right now. And then I go back a couple hours later, zero. And I'm like, what? My family is cute. Like, my family is adorable. What is going on here? And I, like, wrote off everyone. I'm like, I, you know, I give up on everyone but you, Jesus. You know, I have no friends except for you. I had, by accident, changed the settings on my Facebook to be private. So I, I posted something, and it was there, but only I could see it. Not even my wife could see it. And so... I change the setting and people are like, oh, your family's really cute. And I'm like, I have heart issues is what, is what I really discovered here. But here's, a, here's something that's very interesting. This is a very recent study and here's what it says. People who tend to feel insecure in relationships are more active on social networking sites in hoping of getting a little attention. And so we just think we're cool when we're on social media all the time. And parents, maybe your children think like, I'm just really cool. Like, you don't understand, I'm just really cool. But the studies, the secular studies say the most active people on social media are the most insecure. And so you're like, well, that's just, you know, that's a tough thing. That's a tough pill to swallow. I I get that. But that's what the studies are beginning to show us, that people are hoping to get attention and they think it's a bit easier to do that on social media than in, in real life. Now, 
the, the problem with that is, is that it's just revealing a heart issue. Praise God when God reveals heart issues, that we're not secure in our identity with the Lord, and so we're trying to find that satisfaction in, in, with other people. Galatians 1.10 says this, if I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. We all want to be servants of Christ. In our best moments, we say, Lord, I want to serve you. You had somebody serve me, and I came to a saving relationship with you, and I want to serve you. But that is more and more difficult as we're focused on pleasing man rather than pleasing the Lord. And praise the Lord that sometimes the, God shows us what's going on in our heart. And, and social media can be one of those things that shows us that. So admit our insecurities. I, I know there's definitely times where, you know, I'll, I'll post an article on CalvaryChapel.com and I actually feel this temptation to go back and see how many times it's shared. And I'll like trick myself. I'll say like, well, I just want to go see if the formatting is right on the article. I'm like lying to myself. I'm not even saying it out loud. You know, I go and look. Everything looks fine. Oh, look, it got shared a few more times. You know, I'm like, I'm, that's how bad we are sometimes. We're like, we're lying to ourselves about these things. And for me, it ended up being something I had to deal with the Lord on and to make sure that my heart was in the right place. So admit your insecurities, but also acknowledge the threat. Acknowledge the threat. Just like Jesus did, right? Distractions can be a threat. Luke 10, 38 says this. We know the story, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha was distracted with much serving, and Jesus said, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good thing, and it's not going to be taken away from her, right? Jesus acknowledges that there are moments in our life where we are distracted away from the one thing that we actually need, the one thing we actually need, and Martha would say, yeah, but serving is also good, and food is good, and Jesus was probably hungry, and, and there's, but there's a way that we can serve the Lord while we're with the Lord. There's a way that we can use social media where we're conscious that the Lord is there and wants to use that as a tool to reach other people, but we have to be careful, and Jesus tells us to be careful of distractions in our lives, and so you may think that a threat is the, the wrong term to use with something silly like social media, but be open. These, these next few things I'm going to tell you, be open to recognizing that these could be real threats that we're vulnerable to in our life. And the first threat of five threats that I'm going to share is the threat of addiction. The threat of addiction. You have to ask yourself, you know, could you go a, a week without your phone or without social media? Would that make you feel, ter- would your whole life be uprooted because of that? Or this one maybe is a bit more common. How does it feel when you start driving to church and you realize you left your phone at home? Some people are like, turn around, turn the car around. I'm serious. You know, it's, it makes us feel like something, we're missing something. Um, it, it, it's, it's something that we need. We, we kind of treat it just like a wallet now. Like I got my watch, my wallet, I have to have my phone as well. Sometimes it's good just to keep driving, you know? So I was going to warn everyone too, this is a great service to silence your cell phones. Um, the la- yeah, anyway, it's too late. Now you think addiction's too strong of a turn, you know, but research tells us behavioral addictions, just like cell phone addiction, are just as real as substance addictions, and they share a lot of similarities from classic addictions to alcohol and drugs. The, the, the people that study these things are saying cell phone addiction is real, and the symptoms are just like alcoholism and, and drug addicts. The same exact thing, except for society doesn't say it's a big deal because it's just somebody on, on a phone. Well, it's a big deal when you're driving. Isn't it terrifying to drive now? It used to be you'd be ter- only scared of when you saw like those uh, driving school cars. When it's like student, student driver car, and you're like, whoa, you know, you pull over, get over. Someone else can die, but I'm not passing that car or get anywhere near that thing. 
you know, but now every car is terrifying. You're driving and you kind of, you just kind of look, or maybe in your passenger seat and you look and everyone's driving like this. You're like, we're all going to die. We're just all going to die. We don't have to worry about North Korea. We have to worry about all, everyone killing each other on the road because we're looking at cell phones. But this is a real addiction. And I'm going to share some, you know, some science and stats that I've been reading that I think are important, but your brain's chemicals contribute to these strong habits. So there's, there's three, Ted told me there's three science nerds here, and so bear with me if that's not you. Uh, I know it's not a high population of the church, but listen, we get a spike of dopamine each time we receive a mobile alert on our phones, and it makes us want more. Dopamine starts us seeking, and then you get rewarded for seeking, which makes you seek more, and it becomes this impossible to stop loop. It's the way that we're wired, where, where God wires into us this curiosity because we hear this cue, this noise that goes off. But, but science says that we will never be satisfied in scrolling. And, and people scroll looking through their Facebook feed, their Instagram feed. They scroll looking through Netflix. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we do. But the dopamine system is stronger than the opioid system. And so you tend to seek more than you're satisfied. So you seek and you click on something and you're like, oh, that was cool. That's the opioid system rewarding you for, for the curiosity being satisfied. Oh, I wonder what that is. And you click on it. But this, the system that seeks is stronger than the system that rewards. And so you keep on seeking and you feel like I'll be satisfied with the next click. Maybe I'll find something in the next scroll and you never will be, which is why people say, I'm just going to go check my phone for a second. And it becomes an hour because nothing interesting was strong enough to satisfy them. And so Overuse of cell phones actually makes us less happy in life because whenever addictive behavior is displayed, there's these negative side effects on our quality of life. And with cell phone addictions, it's crowding out the more important things in our life, actual real relationships that we can have with family and friends. The things that will actually satisfy us are crowded out by these digital relationships that don't satisfy us. And so even if society is okay with cell phone addiction, God isn't. God's never okay when we are enslaved to anything. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Right, everything's, everything's lawful, but I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. Listen, if we, if we can't put this aside for a, for a Sunday and say, Sunday is my Sabbath and I'm leaving my, my phone at home and we're going to be okay and we're going to sort things out if there's an emergency. And if, if we can't do things like that or take a break from social media for a while, and it, then, then we've got an addiction. We're enslaved to something. something. Something owns us. Even if society is completely okay with it, God is never okay when something owns our hearts. This is one of the most subtle forms of addiction that's out there and is still acceptable mostly in society. So the threat of addiction, the second threat is the threat of aches. The threat of aches. There's physical pain that comes along with this addiction. Physical pain. Do you know that more people are having headaches and neck issues now than ever before because of this? Your neck was designed, surprisingly, to do this, to, to look at people. Your neck wasn't designed to do this. It actually, it actually hurts your neck to always be looking down like that. People are doing it so much, they're having to like, describe new diseases and new issues. They're like, oh yeah, you've got, and they're renaming, you know, making these new issues people have because of headaches and neck pain they have from looking with this different angle that we're not designed to look at. There's actually all these issues happening. Carpal tunnel and thumb cramps. People's right thumbs are killing them, right? The bones here are like, oh, my thumb hurts so much. Well, yeah, your thumb wasn't designed to do that. You know, it's not, it's not something you were supposed to do. You're like, okay, I'll just use my finger then. No, then you'll have some other issue. We're just not designed for that. And here's some of the worst ones. 
children playing phone games and, and looking at iPads and phones when they're too young, especially when they're under two, but, he, I mean, but, but when, they're, when they're growing up, it's causing them, children that are looking at phones too much, it's causing them to exhibit all of the ADHD symptoms that someone that maybe biologically has ADHD but here's the thing. So they, they're using the phones too much and they're, they're losing their attention and they're acting up and there's all these different things that are happening. And they're like, oh, maybe my child has ADHD. But then when they take the phone away, when it's properly diagnosed and the phone and the iPads are taken away, less TV time and they're playing with blocks and outdoors more, the symptoms disappear within months and they revert back to uh, you know, not having any of those, of those issues. It's, it's easy. It's easy to pass this to my kid, right? It's easy. To, they love it, right? You know, it's, it's easy to say, to, to do that. Grandparents always kill you, right? Grandparents are like, here, you're like, no, we're trying to not, okay, grandparents, you know, do that. But it's, for me, it's rare that I'm saying, here's a really good educational opportunity when I hand the iPad to my kids. It's rare. It's more, I'd like to do something by myself right now, kids, and I, and I hand it to them. But if I, they're, they're fine if I'm engaging with them. It's a lot more work, but it's an issue. Now, Here's the biggest ache. Here's the biggest physical issue that we have with our phones. Everyone raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. Do you know why you just raised your hand? It's because this is the biggest issue. You agree with me. This is the biggest issue. That's how confident I am. That's how confident I am. The University of London did a study. The University of London. This isn't like Calvary Chapel. You know, the University of London says that one in six cell phones is contaminated with fecal matter. Google it. It's terrifying. That's terrifying because people, people will go to the bathroom and wash their hands and nobody washes their phone and then they're sitting there on the toilet touching their phone the whole time. We're in love with something that's disgusting. <laughs> this is nasty. And we're like, I love it. I love my precious, you know? And it's like, ah, don't, if someone ever says, here, hold my phone, I have to do something, just say, no, why would you say that? Why would you say that? There's the threat of addiction, the threat of aches, all these physical things. But then listen, this one, maybe you've noticed the threat of attention, the threat of attention. We're losing our ability to focus. You know, we're, lo- we're losing that ability. We're, we're, it used to be that people would read books for hours and you'd be able to do that. People can't even do that anymore. They read for 20 minutes and they're like, I got to do something else now. We're, we're actually losing our ability to focus because our minds are adapting to what we're doing too much, which is looking at little snippets of information. A college student said this, I've noticed the same thing happening to me for the past few years. Unless I'm really in a groove I can't seem to work more than 20 minutes without getting the urge to check my email or glance at a blog or look at social media. It's a terrible feeling. The web had scattered my attention, parched my memory, and turned me into a compulsive nibbler of info snacks. The only thing my mind can do, the only thing it wants to do, is plug back into that distracted, frenzied blitz of online information. And he confessed this even though he was sure the happiest moments of his life happened separately from the internet and his phone. And they were like, oh, wow, that's crazy. What's the happiest part of your life? Oh, that one time I went camping, that one time that I was walking on the beach, it was all moments that did not involve what we think is going to bring us satisfaction that were the happiest moments. And you know this is true too, right? Sometimes it's just harder. People are having a more difficult time at work being productive because they want to check their social media or look at their phone or see what that little buzz was about in their pocket. And it's, that's why this becomes very Christian, yeah, that's a lot of stats and a lot of, a lot of quotes. This becomes very Christian because the more we interact with this in an unhealthy way, the less we can read our Bible in a satisfying way. And, and that's what happens. The less we can pray for longer periods of time because we're used to just little short uh, moments of, of these things that are happening. 
And so we've got to be careful. These videos are getting shorter and shorter. Now they're like 30 second to two minute videos is all they ever post on social media. And you can never get this part of your life back. Anyone ever see this one? I don't know why I clicked on it, but it's like, oh, what's that? There's this huge water being dumped on a street and they're trying to show you, look, we built this road with porous materials and the water goes right through and you can't flood. If the whole world was like this, you couldn't flood. Two minutes of my life that I learned about that. I have no reason. One time I, I watched how China b- digs tunnels for two minutes. I'm like, wow, China's really good at making tunnels. Wait, why did I watch that? That didn't help my life at all, right? People are actually forgetting memories because their, their memories are now like this. They're, looking, they're taking so many pictures that they're like, honey, do you remember, what was our, what was our child wearing during their first birthday? I don't, I don't know. And they go and look it up, but it's actually out of our minds and onto our computers now. People are forgetting the best moments of their life and they have to look them up because you don't remember as much when you're not fully engaged when you're looking through a lens. It's a big deal, the threat of attention. And then there's the threat of spiritual apathy. The fourth threat, spiritual apathy. Pastor Kevin DeYoung says this, For too many of us, the hustle and bustle of electronic activity is a sad expression of a deeper spiritual apathy. We feel busy, but not with a hobby or recreation or play. We're busy with busyness. Rather than figure out what to do with our spare minutes and hours, we're content to swim in the shallows and pass our time with passing the time. How many of us growing too accustomed to the spiritual slothfulness of our age feel the strange mix of busyness and lifelessness? We're always engaged with our thumbs, but rarely with our thoughts. We keep downloading information, but we really get down into the, rarely get down into the depths of our hearts. That's spiritual apathy, purposelessness disguised as constant commotion. We're, we're just okay with passing the times with things that we wouldn't even say it's our hobby. No one would just say, my hobby is checking social media. My hobby is looking at my phone and playing some ridiculous game, right? No, no one would say that's my hobby. Like it used to be people had really cool hobbies. Like I'm a woodworker. You know, like I, I make blankets for like new babies in the church. Like people had these really cool hobbies. And now people are like, Farmville. <laughs> I'm like, listen, you should defriend anybody that asks you to play Farmville. That is the lamest, that is the lamest game, right? We, did, we, we, we have this apathy, this bit, we're busy, but we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. Like nobody's gonna write biographies about us because we're like, and then, and then for two hours, he played this game that was only trendy for four months. And then he watched videos about China digging tunnels. Like, oh, this is the best biography ever. No, nobody cares. But here's the thing. We were created to serve God. We were created to serve God. You get to partner with God in bringing people out of darkness into marvelous light if you're focused and you're called to the task and you're engaging with the Lord in in this lost world. No wonder the enemy is so excited when we're just, you know, fooling around on our, on our phones because it keeps us, we're in the checkout line looking at our phones instead of talking to people. You know, we're at the stoplight looking at our phones instead of praying and memorizing verses, right? We just don't talk to people anymore because everyone's on the phone. There's a spiritual apathy. We're satisfied with these shallows instead of engaging in God's mission, which is going to be the most satisfying moments of our life and the moments that are rewarded, right? This will all be burned away. Right? But the, the moments when we're serving the Lord with the right motives are going to be rewarded one day. And the final threat is the threat of not being alone. When we're always focused on what everyone else is doing, oh, look what everyone's doing. And like, it's, I think the best use of social media is kids showing their parents pictures of their grandkids, right? That's like the best use of social media is all my family gets to see how cute my kids are and they live in, they live in different states. But when we're always focused on how everyone else is doing and, and checking up on, on what the world is up to, we lose the ability for inner reflection. 
right? We stop just pausing and, and having silent moments where we can have the Lord speak to us. And this distraction is a bigger deal than we think. Blaise Pascal in the 17th century said this about distractions. Distraction consoles us in trivial ways in the face of our miseries, yet paradoxically it becomes the worst of our miseries because it hinders us from pondering our true condition. It leads us ignorantly to destruction. Why? If not for distraction, we would be bored, and boredom would drive us to seek some solid means of escape. But distraction passes our time and brings us unknowingly to our death. Here's what Pascal is saying, and it's very true. If we didn't always distract ourselves, in his time it was fox hunting and theater that he was talking about, and we know what it is in our times, but if we didn't always distract ourselves, what would happen if all of a sudden you left your phone at home and you're sitting in hours of traffic and the radio's broken? What would happen if you're sitting there in silence for hours and there's nowhere to escape? You would all of a sudden be confronted by yourself. You'd be bored, but boredom is a God-given trigger to cause you to think about your life. If you're living life you know, purposefully in God's mission, you're usually not bored. Boredom is a trigger that God uses to cause us to realize, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my thoughts? Right? Because you're not bored when you pray. You're not bored when you read. You're not bored when you're talking with someone else. We're bored when we feel like, ah, I, just, I, mean, I, like, I like these distractions. I like entertainment and amusements, and I don't have them right now. When we are quiet and sitting there alone, all of a sudden we wonder, you know, why, why are the heavens like this? Why, why is creation so beautiful? And it's in those moments that we would turn to God. We would discover the emptiness, that vacuum, that hole in our hearts, and we would, we would be confronted with our reality and we would turn to the Lord. But instead, because we don't have those moments, we just kind of distract ourselves right to our death. People, when they start having those moments of you know, confronting themselves and saying like, well, what? Maybe that... Maybe that preacher is right, or maybe, and instead when they distract themselves, they don't actually come to those points where they can commit their lives to the Lord. So it's a big deal. Pascal says that distractions send more people to hell than unbelief because we just never actually get to wrestle with who we are and who God is. And so it's a big deal. But if you're like, listen, none of those five threats concern me. Nice try, preacher. But none of those five threats concern me. Well, I bet you this one will. 54% of kids think their parents check their devices too often, and 32% say they feel unimportant when their parents get distracted by their phones. That should make all of us care, right? Shouldn't that make all of us care? You know, God forbid, we, we talk about how cute our kids are, but then we're looking at how China builds tunnels, and they're like, Dad, 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 I want it, Dad, Dad, right? And they feel unimportant, and, and sometimes we realize it and like, you know, whenever I feel like I throw my phone across the room because I'm like, oh my goodness, I have the most adorable child in front of me and I'm looking at nothing. And then right as soon as I do that, I look at my little like one-year-old and he gives me this cute, goofy smile and I'm like, that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> our kids actually feel, so one third of our kids, and we think, oh, well, that's probably the secular kids. The research is skewed in Christianity. Not at all. Not at all. That wasn't one of the, that wasn't one of the questions they asked. Are you a believer or not? This is everyone. This is one third of the church. You could easily say their children feel unimportant because the parents are on the phones too much. And it's not just the millennial parents, right? It's anyone who engages in social media and, and smartphones. And if it's not that, it's other things, right? It's, it's, it's just a, what distracts us in life. God forbid that our kids say that, but they do. And we need to repent and we need to then enjoy the reason why we were created to disciple our, our children. 
All right, so acknowledge those threats. And then third, believe that God's plan is better for your life. So if, if, if you're bought in, if you're like, all right, that's some basic research, and I think that maybe I should adjust how I'm using my phone and social media. Maybe that's, maybe that's true. What do we do about it? Well, first, you just need to buy into God's plan. Believe that his plan is better for your life. Here's a description of God's plan for our life that we rarely look at. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. We urge you, brothers, to do this more, to aspire to live a quiet life and to mind your own business. That's like not Facebook's motto. Helping people mind their own business, right? Live a quiet life. Why is it so hard for us to be satisfied living a quiet life? We're like, oh yeah, those people that live in the middle of a, they they, they aspire to live a quiet life. No, we should aspire to live a quiet life to mind our own business. Jesus was okay with a quiet life. Out of the first 30 years of his life, what do we know? Manger, running away from Egypt, got lost as a 12-year-old. That's it. That's what we know about Jesus. For 30 years, he was living a quiet life, honoring God, honoring his family, having great conversations with people. And then his public ministry started when he was 30. When he was 30. Think about it as a 21-year-old, knowing the condition of the world, and yet he's waiting for the Father's perfect timing to line up with the prophecies and everything. Jesus was okay with this. Can we humble ourselves and live a quiet life and be okay that other people don't know how Instagrammable our moment is, but just be okay that our family is enjoying a good moment, but, but everyone else doesn't know about it, and that's okay? Can we be okay with that, or do we need to always make this splash? If you feel that desire in your heart, like, oh, I just want, just want to be known, and I want people to, we need to recognize that God knows us, and that our day will come. Our day will come. Colossians 3, 3 says, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God, hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There will be a time, <coughs> there will be a time, you know, that we will appear with him in glory, but for now he must increase and we must decrease. So believe God's plan is better for your life. And then real practically, if you think that this is an issue, what can you do? Well, cut every leash, cut every leash. Listen, try turning off all of your notifications on your phone is what I mean by that. Try leaving your phone at home just on Sundays. Try leaving your phone in the other room connected to the charger while you're in the living room and, and while you're having dinner. Right? Try some of these things to cut the leash off. Listen, dogs don't like leashes, right? Dogs don't like leashes. They're always trying to you know, break it. Babies, babies like leashes, you know? Babies actually, when, you get, when you're just too exhausted to parent your children, you're like, oh, this is exhausting. Hey, kid, you want a backpack? <laughs> oh, thanks for the backpack, dad! <laughs> you know, like, babies like leashes, but it's usually because we're too tired to chase them, chase them around, right? But why do we like leashes? You're like, what are you talking about? This is a leash. Notifications on your cell phone are a leash. Here's what I mean. You're at the dinner table. Ding. Hold on a second. Right? Oh, cool. Right? That's something. It it just owned you. You're having a conversation with your family. Ding. What in the world should take us away from a conversation with our family or our devotional time or, or things like that? It becomes a leash. Now, the dopamine system, it's especially sensitive to audio cues like notifications because it tells your mind there's a reward coming. Ding. Oh, there's a reward, something interesting. I'm curious what's going to happen here. And it signifies something's about to happen. It, it enhances this addictive effect. That's why every app you download says, can we notify you if anything interesting happens? You're like, yes. I just went through all of my phone on a family road trip we did to Zion National Park. And on the road there, we, we disabled every single notification. 
except for phone calls. But everything else, we would never know if we got a text message or an email or anything unless we actually went to the app and clicked on it. It would never display anything or buzz or, or make any kind of a noise. And there was like 50 plus apps that felt the need to tell me something. And all they wanted to do was market to me. When I turned all those things off, I just began to forget about my phone and engage more in, in being present with my family. Automatic notifications like that are causing us to be like a rat in a cage. Do you know the same exact um, dopamine thing that happens when a notification goes off on your phone is the exact same uh, you know, thing that happens in the brain of a rat when they, when they lift up that little gate in the maze and the rat goes chasing after the chocolate? The same, same thing that happens in a rat's brain happens to our brain when the notification goes off. We're like, oh, that's a stimulant. That's a cue, right? We become this rat in a cage. We have to deal seriously with things like this. Jesus tells us to what? To pluck out our eye, to cut off our arm. If we notice sin in our life and, and we're not dealing with it, then, then we need to obey Jesus' commands to deal with it seriously, to take a moment and, and to repent, to fast from our phone, and God forbid to flip back to a flip phone if... We can't seem to get it under control. But usually with some prayer, you can become, this can become a powerful device for the gospel and for good and for encouraging other people rather than something that owns us for silliness. All right, and so cut every leash, but also take control of each day. That's how we can fix this. Take control of the day. Paul told the Ephesians this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Right? We need to make the best use of our time. Just plan out your day. Say, you know what, today, today's, a, today's a Saturday with my family. I'm only going to look or update social media when the kids go to bed for a half hour. So I can take a picture if the kids are being cute, but I'm not going to post it online till, till this time. You kind of put it in its place. You know, say, I'm only ever going to consistently check social media for you know, 15 minutes at lunch, and then I'm going to... If you put it in its place, what you end up noticing is that it, pull, it calls out to you all the time, and you start realizing, no, you don't own me. What are you talking? And you feel the addictive qualities, and then you can, you can deal with it. We're to prioritize what's important, right? To seek first the kingdom of God, you know, and, and then if we've got time, we can do some other things. But you prioritize what the Lord wants you to do. Take control of each day, and you break that addiction. And the final advice is to embrace solitude. It's just like the scariest advice ever. Embrace solitude. The psalmist tells us, be still and know that I am God, right? Allow silence to confront you with who you are. <clears throat> There's this author, I think his name's Peter Kreft or Michael Kreft, one of those two things. We've got to look that up. I couldn't tell Kyle earlier either. And he says this in his book, Christianity for Modern Pagans. <clears throat> he says, here's an experiment you can do if you're struggling with distractions. Lock yourself in a room, a dark room, without your phone, without any noise, maybe put some white noise on for an hour and just commit to stay there for an hour and just sit there. Just see what happens. And you can pray and say, Lord, you know, speak to me, but don't take an hour and pray. Take an hour and just see what silence does to you. And you'll see that mechanism of boredom and your, your, your mind starts wandering and daydreaming. No, let me just, Lord, is there anything you want to say? How's my life doing? And it's not active prayer. It's not active reading. It's just sitting in silence just to show you that we hate it. We hate it because we, we feel this need to go and do something else and just sit there with the Lord. We're missing out on all these times where God used to speak to us in silent moments. It used to be as we're walking to the car that we'd have a few moments of silence and the Lord would speak to us, but now we look at our phones. It used to be at a stoplight that we'd have a few moments just to sit there 
and the Lord might give us, bring something to our mind, but now we're looking at our phones. We've gotten rid of all of our moments of silence. The kids go to bed, we look at our phones right until bedtime, right? And so we've gotten rid of all the silent moments, and we've effectively gotten rid of almost all the time the Lord can speak to us, which is why it's so amazing when we're sitting here worshiping the Lord on Sundays and we're getting all these ideas from the Lord and these thoughts, and that can be a, a daily part of our life, but this is some of the least distracted moments in our lives. That's why we love them so much. And so embrace solitude, em- embrace it. Pascal says the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. <laughs> He's like, people just don't know how to just sit there and be content with their lives. Here's what we find when we sit in quietness when you prioritize morning devotions, when you take some time and just sit with the Lord and pray, you find that you're not actually alone. You find that God is there with you. Matthew 6, 6 says, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you, when you make a time of private prayer and you've isolated everyone else, your father who sees in the secret place is there. It's in those moments where you actually show that you believe in God, right? When you have a consistent devotional time and a, and a prayer time away from everybody else. You wouldn't do that if you didn't believe in God. It would make no sense to isolate everyone else unless you have a lot of kids, right? Kyle and I like to isolate ourselves, but it's because we've got three young kids, right? But you wouldn't do that if you didn't believe in God. Why would you take an hour each morning or some time to pray with no one else around if you didn't actually believe in him. It's one of the ways you prove to yourself, I believe in the Lord, I'm prioritizing him. And he speaks to me, he's there with me in that silent place. And I I think that one of the most important ways that we can disciple people around us is helping them to get a better handle on cell phones and social media and then how to repurpose that time for the Lord. And I think we need to help each other repent of this. For me, it's a huge part of my parenting is limiting screen time and, and instead engaging with my children and bringing them to the Lord and helping them to, to love family. I honestly think, I, I've, I've read 50 plus articles specifically on what social media and cell phones are, are doing to us. And I honestly believe that if you were to do that research yourself, you just start kind of Googling cell phone addiction, cell phone usage, all these different things. I know that each of us would make a change each of us. Now there's like four or five people here that have flip phones that are just feeling vindicated. Yes, this is my Sunday. I'm buying this message and giving it to everyone, right? That's good. Praise the Lord. Next week though, <laughs> next week's a different topic. We have more, we have more in this series, right? But I, I believe this is the most subtle issue, but it's one of the biggest issues that we have in our life. And so we've got we've to engage with each other, stir each other up to, to good works, challenge each other in this, and recognize that you know, it feels good to see, wow, oh, 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 they're at Yosemite. Go to Yosemite. <laughs> Don't just look at people going to Yosemite. You go to Yosemite, right? It, it feels good to look at these things, but it feels so much better just to live life. Do that with your family to show them how important they are, right? We don't have to share this with anyone else because our family is so important. God, I'm not going to share this sunset with anyone but you because we have a real relationship and real relationships have these secrets. They've got these intimate moments, these inside jokes, these things that bond you together. That can be you and the Lord. That can be you and your family, you and your friends if we're not disconnected. And so it's not about becoming Amish. All right, I used to live an hour from the Amish. It was great. You know, you you'd drive over and you just kind of stare. And, you know, and I, you can like, they can take like a buggy ride, a horse and buggy ride, and you're just kind of poking their beard and be like, this is amazing. You're real. I remember asking an Amish person once, like, why? Why do you not have electricity and stuff? And he goes, well... 
because I want to spend more quality time with my family and more quality time with God. And I think that would distract me. I'm like, that is like the most noble thing I've ever heard. That's amazing, right? And so, but it's not about giving up our phones. It's about using them with greater intention. Be intentional about your phones. When you leave it in the other room, instead of having it next to you, and then you get up 20 times, you realize, what's wrong with me, <laughs> right? But it, it, you can accomplish everything you need to on your phone besides the random phone calls and text messages. You can accomplish those things in a small amount each day, but it becomes huge. This is our moment to realize the unintended consequences about these technologies that we're vulnerable to. And it's time for us to adopt, I think, a new digital philosophy, one that recognizes not just the value of connectedness, but disconnectedness so that we can connect to Christ. That's, that's why we do it. This isn't bad. This is a tool that wants to become everything in our life, but no, it can be a tool for what is everything in our life if we're intentional about it.